Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm just joined by one of the hosts again this week, but I've traded in a stew for a Tom this time. Hi. How are you, Tom? No more co- yeah, no more COVID. <laughs> good. Very good. Better. Back and better than ever. Yeah. He's actually I mean, come back it, even stronger. It's a slightly different episode this week as well because we're actually live in Discord for our patrons. Yeah. Which is, Some of um, which have been cool enough to join us already. You'll get the full unedited version of us just babbling our way through this and mucking up our words yeah. all the time. They will find out how much of the show is cut <laughs> <laughs> because of how many mistakes we frequently make. <laughs> uh, so we're here to um, preview the Imola Grand Prix, but there's a few newsy bits first. It's another circuit news week, actually. Lots of circuit and calendar news, which is just the way things seem to be these days. It's like every week there's a new track on or off the calendar. Um, This week it is Canada. According to some reports from Canadian media, the Canadian Grand Prix is now in doubt. Partly it's due to COVID rules because they currently need a 14-day quarantine on entering the country, which would be difficult given that they're in Azerbaijan seven days before the Canadian Grand Prix takes place, which would obviously make that impossible. Uh, there's also reports of disagreements between F1, the circuit organisers, and local government about monetary things around the event, particularly as it's going to be behind closed doors, so there'll obviously be no income from fans attending. F1, Some reports say F1 have given the circuit organisers until Monday, today as a record, to come up with a solution. Um, so things not looking good for the Canadian Grand Prix, unfortunately. Yeah, it'd be a shame. That was one of the major ones that I missed last year. Me too. Uh, but it puts us in a weird situation because we now have what is one of our favourite races on the calendar potentially being replaced by the track that we most want on the calendar, <laughs> which is Istanbul <laughs> yeah. Park. Um, supposedly, yeah. F1 are already opening talks with the organisers there in Turkey as a potential replacement for that race, which is the 13th of June. Um I mean, we said after the... I mean, the last Turkish Grand Prix was just weird for many reasons. And Definitely. we said at the time we'd like them to get another chance to actually have a more normal Grand Prix there, but we didn't think it would happen. But looks like there might be a chance of that now. I mean, I mean I'm happy to see Istanbul being touted as the replacement. Like a, bit, a minute ago, I'm disappointed that we might lose Canada. Yeah. I mean, sports events do get certain exceptions around some of the rules because of the rigorous testing that they have Mm. in place as part of traveling anyway. But most of those sports stay within a country, don't they? Like F1's a little bit unique in how often it's visiting different countries. Yeah. And I think that's maybe where F1's going to fall foul to covid regulations this season for different countries as soon as this calendar came out and we all saw azerbaijan and canada as back-to-back races everyone sort of went hang on (laughs) that doesn't look yeah particularly feasible Um, although if you think about it it is usually after it's the weekend after monaco isn't it it is usually after a european race of some degree. Yeah, either Monaco or um, Spain sometimes as well. They tend yeah, to like you, usually, usually you sort of end up with the first race in Europe being Catalonia and then within a week or two you're usually in Monaco over that holiday weekend that they have there. One of the bank holidays mm-hmm. that they have or however they refer to it and then you usually come back 
across the yeah. pond to Canada after that. So, I mean, it's not unusual to leave Europe and go straight over there, but it's pretty optimistic considering all the different countries' guidelines on quarantines and who can and can't enter the country and things like that. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I will say Liberty are pretty big on trying to expand F1 in America. So given that it's a race in that time zone, I'd expect them to do everything they can to get it to still happen, but not sounding great for it currently. Yeah, sad news. Another thing that's been knocking around for a little while, actually, we've not talked about, and we've got some sort of concrete information on it now is the circuit changes they're doing at albert park as soon as the australian grand prix got delayed they sort of decided to use that as an opportunity to make some changes to the circuit um they're going to be changing seven corners around the circuit that are predicted to decrease the lap time by about five seconds in qualifying at least uh the most significant change is the turn nine and ten chicane is being removed to basically make it a flat out section which goes all the way to to 11 and 12 which is the really fast left right section um yeah other corners they're widening some of them a lot of them having their apexes moved back to make them quicker um 13 and 15 which is um i think the it's the penultimate corner and obviously two before that they're having their camber changed to try and sort of create more racing lines they are saying it's to enable more overtaking opportunities and promote what was it faster and more competitive racing to be honest though i don't know about this um yeah i'm still 50 50 about it until i see them on track because i mean with a lot of them or at least two or three of them they're sort of winding in an apex that still goes into a tighter corner anyway Mm. so i guess you it's definitely going to change the flow of the circuit 100% because there isn't really any of the track left the same, realistically, because even if a corner's not being changed, there's something being changed in the lead-up to it. Like, the leaving mm-hmm. 11 and 12 alone, which is the fast left-right that you mentioned before, but because of how significant the changes to 9 and 10 are, which, I mean, for those not that familiar with the circuit, I guess turn 9 is a decent breaking point mm. into the into a right hander and then you've got the left and it, it's the it's the left that's kind of it goes into like a just a long flat out curve and then 11 and 12 at the minute are pretty much just a lift and flick aren't they yeah. realistically in these cars at the moment so it'd be interesting to see with the extra speed they'll now carry through what was 9 and 10 into that that turn 11 is going to become a breaking point i would i would have thought i would imagine so yeah with this difference in speed. So even the bits of the circuit that aren't changing will change the way you yeah, have to drive them. The arrival speed is going to be that much higher, aren't they? Yeah. But like turn one, they're widening it by two and a half meters, but they're doing it all on the inside, which will make turn one a faster corner. And is that yeah. not going to remove, like faster corners don't promote overtaking. I guess the hope is then that there'll be more overtakes down to three, but then they're doing the same thing at turn three. They're making that into a faster corner by moving the apex back i mean as someone that's been infuriated by the the um the turning angles of turn one turn three and turn 15 
for a decade of playing sim racing games. I'm quite happy that they wind in all three of those corners, thing. to be honest, because I've hated those corners for years. Those three corners are the corners where I lose the most yeah, time too. around Albert Park. <laughs> and now I can just go flat out through them. So I'm happy. I do, I'm, I'm a little upset they're changing turn six because that was my favorite corner on the circuit. That's basically just yeah. going to be a flat right-hander now. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they're right and it does improve the racing there. Um, I mean, it's. I think that, Changing six and seven is where that chicane's basically coming out, more or less, isn't it? Yeah. If you'd call it a chicane. But that's definitely going to change the way that turn eight runs because turn eight was a flat right-hander into into turn nine, essentially, and then into the breaking point of turn nine. So I think eight, depending on the, the setup at the time, eight's potentially going to need a lift. It's going to be like parabolic. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it'd be interesting because it's quite tight around there still. It's really um, going to change. Definitely the... not as wide as a parabolica. No, so. it's really going to change the characteristics of the circuit. I mean, a, mm. a five second change in lap time is huge around a circuit like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll see, see. In is it October? It's due to happen now. The Australian Grand Prix, I think. Oh, November wasn't it? Again, November mid mid to late November. Actually, I think oh. it is. Still not one hundred percent convinced it's going to go t- ahead, but. The weekend of the twentieth, I want to say, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, but yes, we'll see. And then final bit of circuit news: the Miami Grand Prix is back on the table. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, because of the local mayor, um, who was previously completely <laughs> opposed to it, um, but there's been a new resolution agreed that addresses a lot of the concerns that the local residents were kicking up, and the local mayor is now back on side. Um, the circuit itself is basically going to be exactly the same as the last version of it we saw, which was the one around the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Um, yep. If it does get approved, it could be on the calendar as early as next season. Um, I don't think it was a bad-looking circuit, the, that latest one they came up with. Yeah, it didn't seem too bad. Um, I think our general, general consensus was it's... It's the best you can manage around a car park. Yeah, basically. Basically, it, I mean, it had it had slight. If I remember right, we were saying it had like sort of slight um, Berlin Formula E vibes. It did, yeah. Where because obviously the Formula E circuit at Berlin is it's all based around the old airfield, isn't it? That they mm-hmm. don't use anymore. So it had like some vibes of that because it is essentially just the car parks and the the roads around the stadium, the access roads that are being used for it. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be very interesting to see if it stays the same and if it doesn't end up going ahead now. And the other thing, of course, is will it be replacing something on the calendar or will it just be mm. <laughs> shoehorned into the ever-growing calendar? Yeah, it's... It, I mean, it, I think it's a. it's crazy that given all the covid restrictions we talked about earlier that are affecting races like uh, montreal that we have still got a calendar as big as we have for this season Mm -hmm. um it's i mean it's impressive that they are managing to get so much in and it feels really weird that we've had such a big break this early in the season because this break would have existed with or without australia being dropped would it not because we started the season later because we started at Bahrain. Bahrain wasn't pulled forward, was it? No, it wasn't. So we would have had this gap no matter what. So to have like 
a 20 something race calendar and a big three week gap right at the start <laughs> after it's very race formula one. Easy, actually. <laughs> yeah it's very very hard but formula e always do that he's the first race now come back in two months and i hope you remember us <laughs> yeah now sit on it <laughs> yeah um next a bit of non-circuit news finally james allison's role at mercedes is going to be changing Mm. Uh, so as of July, he's going to be moving from being the technical director to chief technical officer. Uh, it means he'll no longer be responsible for the day-to-day management of the technical division there, which is the role he's been in since like 2017 when he joined the team. Yeah. Um, the technical director role is going to be taken on by a guy called Mike Elliott, who's the team's current technology director. He's... I think he was at Renault before. He's been in F1 for like 30 years or something. Um, it's interesting to shift around. It, it sounds a lot like, to me, like the first step of lining up James Allison as Toto Wolff's ultimate replacement. Possibly, yeah. Moving him more into a kind of less hands-on managerial role. Because um, I, I do still feel like it's when, not if Toto moves away from that role. Yeah, I mean, it was a three-year deal, was it, that Toto signed I most think recently? so. So, yeah, this is kind of starting to move those pieces and maybe start handing some of that over. Like, for the position that he's in, three years is a a fairly normal start to a transition period, really, isn't it? Mm, like, Yeah, definitely. Especially with the, um, with the regulation changes from an aero perspective. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that that will make a a significant difference to how the role is handed over, and and I think that is probably a key part of it, isn't it? Because it's I'd imagine I could be wrong on this, but I'd imagine that technical directors and technical officers from that point of things are probably an overarching to a just a bit of everything in terms of development within the team. Yeah. So some aero, some some of the electronics, like the power yeah, units absolutely. and so on. I think it's an overarching overseeing of everything. Mm. And that would lead more into, I guess, a, a primary team principal yeah. role. Cause is, is Toto Wolf still officially just team principal? Yeah, I believe he and is. And part yeah. owner. Yeah. Yeah. Massive so. shareholder. <laughs> yeah. Giant shareholder, Toto Wolf. It is interesting to be making, like, big change to the technical team in the middle of, as you say, developing for a whole new set of regulations next year. Mm. It's it's a big time to be making those changes and for someone to be stepping up into a new role. I think the the only, um, I guess, advantage, I'd call it, maybe that's not the right word, but the, the, the positive to take away from the situation is the roles that they're moving between don't seem to be too significantly different Mm. i think it's more just a a giving some extra seniority to the two people in question yeah so mike elliott stepping up to a a more senior role that james allison has been in and then james allison step into something higher to to potentially like you say take over from toto at some point yeah but it's not that because it's like when um mattia bonato took over as team principal Ferrari, he moved up from a technical role, didn't he? And that's obviously yeah. quite a, a different um, thing to take on. So, yeah, looks I mean, like a potentially a gradual shift, which is maybe the best way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, 
someone like Toto Wolf is always gonna he's never just gonna leave without having figured out that like line of succession in the first place, is he? Yeah. Um yeah, and then final quick little bit of news. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, he's still hanging around F1. He's um, officially <laughs> now been signed up by Aston Martin as their reserve and development driver. I mean, it makes sense. He, he drove from twice last year not being their official reserve driver. So Yeah. I mean, they're obviously happy with uh, what he managed to get out of the car last season when he stepped in in the emergencies that he did. Yeah. So, I mean, it didn't go as well as some would have hoped, but... Jumping into a car at that short notice, I don't think you can expect much more than what no, thought. I mean, and he wasn't. Some of the results that came up weren't necessarily related to him, whether they were. It was car. So, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised as well if there's some link to Mercedes involved in that potentially as well, because Mercedes reserve drivers are uh, Van Dorn de Vries. They're two Formula E drivers, but obviously they're going to be busy yeah. a lot of weekends doing Formula E. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd hope that the way that it would pan out is if there was an issue at Mercedes again, similar to last season, it's George that would see move. Yeah, up. that's very true. And and Hulk, if Hulkenberg is somewhere in that program, it's potentially Hulkenberg that's jumping into like the Williams or something. Yeah, if he's not needed at Aston, M- um, McLaren as well share reserve drivers with Mercedes. So yeah, that's a possibility as well. Definitely, yeah. Trying to think, there's somebody else in the Mercedes program now, isn't there? Below Russell, uh, I'm trying to think who it is. Oh yeah, who was it? I can't remember that signed up now. I'm trying to. I, I genuinely can't remember now. But I put myself under pressure by bringing it up as well. <laughs> I'm just very quickly checking. Um, oh, it was um, there was uh, Antonelli in karting. Oh right, um, yeah, and. Frederick Veste is Vesti, the newest one who's in Formula 3. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like An- Antonelli's a long way off, I think. It's still doing karting. Yeah. So I don't think that'll be anything soon. But, yeah, Vesti was the newest one from this season and is competing in Formula 3. Uh, he's still a way off as well. I mean, he's probably nowhere near a super license, is he, at this point? Oh, no, definitely not. Um, so, yeah, it, it probably would look at someone... Like a, a Hulkenberg or someone, like a reserve driver having to step yeah. down. And I think that's all we'll do for news this week. There's there's the whole thing being discussed as well about potential active aero and stuff coming in the future. But I think we'll probably save that for an off week when all three of us are around because there's there's lots to sink our teeth into there. Yeah. So we'll we'll save that for the time being. It, it's weird coming from like been watching the sport long enough to remember like certain things being banned and now we're like coming full circle yeah that they're becoming like actual considerations again so yeah. it'd, it'd be interesting to have like a proper full-on discussion ground effect it. active aero fill your boots yeah <laughs> we'll have some active suspension soon <laughs> yeah. uh so let's move on then to preview the formula one pirelli grand primo del made in italy e del emilia romano 2021 and now you know why when you asked me before we started recording would you like me to host i said yes <laughs> <laughs> that is it that is it's the sole reason. we're talking about emila um so some storylines going to this weekend i guess the biggest one is 
how close Red Bull and Mercedes are going to be together this weekend, given that mm. this is a very different track to Bahrain. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mercedes... Mercedes did win at Imola last year, but Verstappen was right there with them, wasn't he, until he um, he had a failure of some kind, didn't he, I think, or did a tyre blow or something? The tyre, I think. Yeah. Um, or was that, was that the other Red Bull? I'm trying to remember who... <laughs> Because um, he didn't have the best of times, did he, uh, Albon, last year? Red Bull didn't have a good time in Italy full stop last year. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a puncture that caused him to spin. Yeah, but he was like, he was right up there in the fight, wasn't he? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's In years gone by, you'd say this would be a track that suits Red Bull more so than Bahrain. Um, yeah. Especially with these, you know, I mean, so much of Bahrain is, um, a lot of those corners are sort of non-events ref one cars these days. Like they have so much aero, but I don't know. I, I, I almost get the feeling that Red Bull are going to be a bit further away from Mercedes than they were last time out. Do you think? I've got a feeling they will, yeah. We're dipping into predictions territory here, but... Yeah, I mean, I think Verstappen... I mean, Verstappen had a decent race last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was... He was looking like being able to challenge the Mercs at this circuit. So I, w- I would honestly like to hope that because of that, combined with the gap being closed a little bit, whether it is because of the whole Berks don't like the rake requirements of the new floor and and whatever the reason might be for the gap closing. Because, I mean, ultimately we're looking at that might be why the gap's closing rather than Red Bull closing up to them, isn't it, realistically? Um, But yeah, regardless of that, I think that Red Bull probably have some sort of chance here. I hope. <laughs> yeah, which sort of leads nicely into the next storyline, which is Perez. How much can he factor mm. into the fight at the front if he can have a more quote-unquote normal weekend? Because he yeah. definitely didn't well, have one of those last time. I mean, he was sixth last year here in the racing point. Mm-hmm. Um, and from memory, wasn't he... Didn't he have a brief spell higher up the field as well, same as Kvyat? Because Kvyat went quite well here last year, didn't he? Yeah, he had a... In the Alpha Tauri. And, and Gasly was doing well uh, really early on until the engine went. Because Ga- Gasly had, like, um, managed, like, six laps or something. Oh, yeah. And he was, like, that. looking really strong, and it was like, oh, wow, like, Gasly's here to prove a point. And uh, then... Because he qualified pretty high as well. Yeah. But... It was gone early with like a radiator leak or something. Something so, unfortunate like that. Yeah, typical ga- typical Gasly look. Hmm. Yeah, Perez only qualified 11th last year, but he finished 6th. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And most of the cars that didn't finish would have been behind him anyway. Like you're yeah. looking at Russell when he hit the wall, Max after the puncture and spin would have probably been ahead of him. But then everyone else in theory would have been behind him, yeah, like so Magnus and Ocon and 
Gasly's debatable, I guess, because Gasly mm. was running well that weekend. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's another storyline, I guess, actually, is the Alpha Terry, like how well, because they looked, although their result wasn't great last race, they looked really quick. Um, mm. Gasly obviously went really well at Imola last year. Um, it's one of the few tracks that Sonoda has actually driven an F1 car because he's done a few tests yeah. there and <laughs> some filming days. So I think seeing how far they are and whether they can catch McLaren, who right now seem to be top of the midfield. But it's... I find that interesting as well, you know, like the whole thing with McLaren, it's it's like it's on the other teams to to close that gap to them if McLaren are where we hope and think they are because they're along with Mercedes in the, we don't run a high rake in the car. Mm -hmm. So like to me, McLaren are like kind of outperforming. I guess uh, some of that might have to do with switching to the Mercedes power unit, but I mean the, the loss of floor aero is definitely affecting the low rake teams more. So yeah, absolutely. McLaren to have ended up where they are off the back of that, I think is quite impressive. And it, it, it probably says a little bit about A, how they have compensated for it with things like the diffuser for definite, but also the power of the Mercedes power unit, if you get it right. Um, and like we know it's not helped Williams, so it shows that it's not a complete silver bullet, but it's definitely helped McLaren, I think. Yeah, I think I read somewhere Andreas Seidel said something like they reckon their gains are about 70% down to engine and the rest down to yeah stuff that they cover themselves. So. Makes sense. Um, any other storylines you've got? Um, how far can a certain spinner make it around <laughs> the circuit this week? <laughs> can, he, can he make it around a full lap? <laughs> I actually feel like he's just going to have a really quiet race on his own and just like carefully pound around at the back this time, to be honest. Did, did you see the um, the Schumacher quote? Well, it seems like we're talking about a Haas car there. Um, Schumacher said that he felt that it was reasonable to be targeting Q2 for a lot of the yes, season. Yes, I did see that. Um, and I mean, if that's not setting yourself some interesting goals like mm. i mean we we saw that russell managed to get to q to a lot by out driving the car last season and i'm wondering if that's like kind of the just a personal milestone that schumacher yeah. setting himself of like if russell could do that last year in the williams that's what i want to be able to do and i think that's quite like noble or whatever like it's it's a it's a mm. decent goal to have set himself considering that the car is not being developed and is basically last year's car yeah like russell, so, russell the last couple of years has proved that you can be in a car that's the slowest on the grid and still do things that get you noticed and yeah improve your stock sort of things yeah that's gotta be what he's been gonna be aiming to do this season yeah I mean, I hope it goes as well as he's anticipating, but we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> has sort of reiterated multiple times in recent weeks that they're doing nothing else to that car. That is the yeah. car for the season. So, yeah, I think I, I, mean, I can't remember where the quote came from, but I do remember something along the lines of, "Our goal is to beat Williams this season, and that is it," or something yeah, like which that. Is. Which is oof. <laughs> harsh, harsh in many they areas. Do that. <laughs> 
If anything, I think Williams are probably going to nick a couple of points this year. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we've probably put off predictions long enough, haven't we? We should probably make some. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Um, go on, I'll, I'll take the reins for a minute here. Go for um, it. So, as regulars will know, it is predictions time. You all know what's coming. For those who are newer this season, uh, we essentially go through five categories, which are fastest in Q3, winner of the race, first person to DNF, the number of finishers, and a random driver's finishing position. Uh, and you can all join in by heading to backofthegrid.com, which I fixed after <laughs> <laughs> after I stopped being seriously ill from COVID. I'm sorry it told you all that you'd got three times the points that you should have <laughs> last week. Well, not it wasn't even last week, was it? It wasn't until last week when I fixed it. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine now. I fixed it. So, but yeah, if you'd like to join in, you can go there and register. And if you've registered before in previous seasons, you can just log in with your old account. Um, I've noticed a couple of people have maybe lost their logins and stuff. There is a forgotten password. I will make something for forgotten usernames over the course of this week because I think a few people have got email addresses but don't know their um, username. So I will sort you something out to the couple of people that have asked about that. But anyway, let's actually go through our predictions. So, fastest in Q3. Chris, you were being bold earlier saying you don't think Red Bull can touch Mercedes. So, is that is that where you're going with this? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm going Verstappen. Wait, you're going Verstappen? Yeah, I'm going Verstappen. Even though you said Red Bull can't touch Mercedes here? No, no, no. I said, if anything, I think... Red Bull might be a little better than they were compared to uh, Mercedes last I, last time. I can't I can't believe I completely misinterpreted your point. <laughs> I mean it's entirely possible I just completely garbled my words. Yeah, somebody somebody who's been paying more attention than me, please tell me if Chris has now <laughs> contradicted himself. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you're going Verstappen. Oh, that kind of ruins what I was gonna do, because I was gonna say Verstappen. Um Okay, I mean, I'm going to go Verstappen as well. That's where I was going to go anyway, which is why I was interested when I, I thought I'd heard you say you didn't think Red Bull would be as close to Mercedes, but... Uh. And Stu isn't here, so we'll get him to tweet his or something. Yeah, we'll make sure he does it some before, point during the week. before practice. We'll definitely do it before. Um, so for the win, I will go first. Um, I mean, last year, it ended up being... It was it was that stereotypical race, wasn't it, where we were chatting during the race and it was, you know, this is all just going to fall into Lewis's lap. <laughs> and all these things were had snowballing. They were like, yeah, it's going to be a Lewis win. So it was a Lewis win last time out. However, I mean, that was it part and parcel, in my opinion, due to the way things fell to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be a little bit bold, I think, and I'm going to stick with a Verstappen for the double. I think if he can start from pole and he doesn't have issues, he can win this race. Especially at this circuit. Yeah. Where there's basically one place to overtake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, so how about you? As boring as it is, I completely agree with you. Oh, it's already begun. We're two races in, Chris, and it's already begun. At least we're saying Verstappen for everything this time and not Hamilton for everything like last season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least he's a different driver this year, so far at least. But I agree with you. I think if he can get pole and, and run away, then 
I mean, Mercedes keeps saying they're at a straight line deficit this season. I'm not entirely sure I believe them on that, but yeah, that Honda engine is mine. pretty, pretty choice. Yeah, it's it's a combination, isn't it? The stuff we were talking about before about the floor, but combined with Honda making that, they brought next year's engine forward, didn't they? Essentially, yeah. so it is paying dividends so far. First DNF. Now, obviously, we all know who it was last time out. Um, are you going with the same person? <laughs> Here's the problem. Although I've already said I think he's probably just going to quietly toot around at the back, if I don't say him and it is him, I'm going to feel really stupid again. So, Mazepin. Okay. You're having Mazepin. Just because um, I'll feel like a complete idiot in a week's time if it's not. I'm just going to, I mean, sometimes this works for me, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm going to go with like that person who's got something to lose and, <laughs> and that's uh, Gio in his in one of his home races. Oh, okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to go Gio in an Italian car <laughs> as an Italian driver, an Italian circuit. Stuff like that sometimes works for me through the year. So I'll, this is where I'm cashing the first one in, hopefully mean um number of finishers so i mean last time out in bahrain we were officially 16 finishers um because we had two retire although classified they didn't finish the race last time out at imola last year we had 15 cars so i'm going to go with the slightly higher number because I think that's kind of where we'll be at. Like there was some weird stuff went on last year at Imola. It's not really somewhere that's going to destroy the cars. I don't think it's not going to put them under too much stress, especially early in this season. So I'm going to go 16. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm around that. What did you say it was in Bahrain? In Bahrain, it was 16 uh, official, and mm. last year at Imola, it was 15. 16 feels right. I'm going to go 16 as well. I know it's I'm just stop, like... Stop copying me, Chris. <laughs> okay, uh, last one is a random driver, so please let us know who this week's random driver week's shall be. This random driver is... <sighs> Sebastian Vettel. No! <sighs> That's difficult. That's difficult. The fact that we both said exactly the same thing at the same time just shows how difficult it is. Ooh. I mean, I don't think we've seen the proper pace of either the Aston Martin or Sebastian in said Aston Martin yet. No. Which makes this all the more difficult. Uh, I mean, in terms of trying to help, um, last time out in Bahrain... It was officially 15th for Seb. And uh, where is Stroll? Stroll was 10th. Stroll was 10th, yeah. He nicked a point. So. I can't remember who's turning to go first. I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to say. Oh. 13th. That's not too dissimilar to where I, I nearly was going said twelve, but I've, I've nudged him back. Oh, I'll get, you're gonna hate me then because <laughs> I was thinking twelve, Damn and it. you just so. If I get the point for that, you will kick yourself. But yeah, I'm going to go twelve. So we know what 
if they're on top of the car or not. I mean, knowing our look, they'll they'll have worked everything out and they'll be scoring mega points. That's that's kind of how it works when we make these kind of predictions this far in front of the rest. But it is what it is. <laughs> if if anyone would like to join us, as I said before, you can head to backofthegrid.com where you can enter your predictions. I have also set something up uh, to take note of when people submit their predictions. So over the course of this season, we will be able to start taking a look at those people who are being bold like us and making the predictions well in advance of the race weekend based off purely historical data or those who are waiting until Q1 is about to start and making their decisions at the very ultimate last minute <laughs> after seeing a, a race weekend begin to unfold. So we will be able to see that. And it'd be interesting to see like how high those people who are predicting way before the weekend starts again. So challenge yourself if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, with that done, we will move over to some inbox. Is keep it saying now. Stay, stay out. Still gets every, no, every time. <laughs> uh, first up, Stephen Barlow. With the Canadian Grand Prix up in the air, do we think we could lose more? Like last year, do you think we could have two races at the same track? Oh, I mean. I did a Kimmy then. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I'll say it. Kimmy answer. Bruh. Yeah, I think it is as well. Um, I think basically anything outside of Europe is still a bit ropey, to be honest. Like Singapore, Japan mm. could be questionable. Australia, I'm still not 100% convinced is going to happen. It, it's all going to depend on how countries travel limitations change yeah. over the course of the season, really, isn't it? And things like this where a country that they're having to move into has got a quarantine period that is basically going to stop a race start mm-hmm. because of the scheduling. Yeah, I don't so. think they will double up unless they absolutely have to. I did read something saying that there was talk of Sakir the, the Bahrain outer loop being potentially mm. thought of t- towards the end of the season if they need to pad it out, if they do lose sort of Singapore or Japan or something. But that was very much rumour and hearsay. Um, but yeah, I definitely yeah. don't think we've heard the end of races dropping off the calendar, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to have a quick look at the calendar as a whole and try and see um, if there was anything that... Because, I mean, once you're in Europe you're probably not too bad because you can move around your... So, like, I mean, the next stretch you'd imagine should be pretty safe, which is Imola this weekend, um, Portugal at Algarve again, uh, Barcelona and Monaco, and then I suppose in Tobacco as well, that kind of works. But then that's where the issues then start, yeah. isn't it, where you, you're flying back out to America and then coming back to Paul Ricard after what would have, what would have been Montreal if it doesn't go ahead. So, but then again, you're in Europe again. So you've got, I mean, how many races is that? One, two, three, four, five, skip Montreal, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. You got 13 races um, plus the one we've already done in Bahrain, making 14. Before you then, if you don't go out to Montreal, so I mean, there's enough there to make a season, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, you've got a world championship. If you then suddenly can't travel, Russia happened last year, so that'll almost certainly happen again. 
Yeah. United States again is probably there's a lot more obviously a lot more chance of it happening, but again it's a big fly away. Mexico, not really sure. Brazil is a real question mark right now. Um things Brazil's probably the place in the world you want to be traveling to the least right now in terms of um yeah covid stuff you know november's mm-hmm. a long time away but we'll see and again australia i'm still i mean the the only thing that might bud well in a sense for that back end of the calendar is you've got a little bit of a run there which is texas mexico uh, sao paulo yeah, so at least you, once you you're sort there. of you you probably ground travel for at least some of it. I would have thought. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, so it might be a little bit easier for them to to run one into the others, and and they're obviously all close together. They're all like back to backs, aren't they? So um, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see runs of races that will happen, but I can also see ones that make me very dubious <laughs> about will they, won't they, based on. <laughs> the way the world still is it so. still blows my mind every time i look at this calendar and see the last race is the 12th of december <laughs> everyone yeah. should not be going on in the middle of december yeah then again um, it snowed here in london today so like everything's <laughs> who knows what will happen by then i mean yeah we've had snow this week haven't we yeah across the across the last week in april we've had snow yeah so so like the world is not a normal place anymore. Really sync up properly anymore no no uh, another one patrick i'm gonna see if i say this right because you guys dealt with this last week a uh, burston is that right do we establish if that was right Burston. let's go with that you said it yeah i mean patrick says hi guys um hey, the guy with the weird unpronounceable name here <laughs> so yeah he's made a point of it uh, give us the latest update about grosjean uh test fitting a new seat for his final uh, f1 memories and thinking about where he went and how good he has actually been in the past do you think vettel would become the next grosjean i mean he seems to be going south and hard i really don't hope so because i do really like vettel yeah i sort of agree with that sentiment like i, I really don't hope so as well because i do like the guy but my gut feeling says we've we've seen the best of him. I just like he had his moments the last couple of seasons, but unless unless him and Aston Martin like can really gel and they really build a car that suits him, yeah, I I can't see us seeing him sort of game podiums and stuff on a regular basis. Yeah, it's a shame. I was hoping I was hoping for more of the Aston this this year. Yeah, I mean, we've considering had, where they were last year, but we've only had testing in a race, so we don't want to jump to conclusions too soon. But it's not yeah. looking great. I mean, it's it, you could see like the kind of same situation that Alonso is finding himself in at Renault, well, True. Alpine, which is I'm going to make do with whatever I can get this season, and let's focus on the new regs from an aero perspective, and you'd hope that in a way that's what Aston are doing is like try to build a little bit on last year's car where they can and make improvements where they can, but really focusing as a proper manufacturer now on next year. Yeah. Well, I mean the way they keep complaining about how much the new rules have hurt them doesn't sound like a team that's confident they can develop around them this season. So 
maybe they should just kind of cut their losses early doors. Yeah, it would make sense. I mean, I hope that it doesn't go that way with Vettel. I'm, I'm along the exact same sentiments there. Yeah, same. Um, I feel like saying could he be the next Grosjean is a little harsh because the guy has like what four do you get four or five world championships i forgot four, four. Got four <laughs> world championships so like i mean grosjean never got that far did grosjean ever win in that lotus when it was a lotus nope. i can't remember Load of podiums, got on the podium yeah so i mean there's a lot that grosjean didn't achieve yeah. that sebastian vettel has um so I'd, I'd, I'd be, i feel calling him the next grosjean is a little bit harsh but, yeah, Vettel's yeah, Vettel's definitely going to ultimately leave the sport pretty satisfied with what he achieved. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who did get titles that kind of petered out. Yeah, um, uh, and I can't, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Not but... like multiple titles. Yeah, there's been the odd one, like, like um, Villeneuve, for example, like got one title, then never really got close again. Um, yeah, and then just disappeared anyway. Yeah, just I mean, Hill Hill did a little bit, yeah, but, but Hill also was... decided to go to teams that were never going to realistically yeah. win races anyway, and he was helping build teams, which was a very different scenario. Rosberg just quit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I genuinely can't think. Of, no. I mean, Alon- Alonso in a way, Alonso in a way, yeah. Because af- after Renault and those two titles, Alonso, despite winning races, only ever like got fingertips on a title. I would say there was that yeah. one year at Ferrari. I can't remember what year it was where he came really close and he went down to the last race, but he never like he never like performed the way he did at Renault ever again. Yeah, I, I don't can't think. the exact number. There's some daft stat that like he only needed something silly like eight more points across his career to have been a four-time world champion or something like that so he did get very close but i think with alonso it's for the most part with alonso it's more um poor career choices than uh anything to do with uh what he does in a car but that i mean that is kind of like what vettel's maybe going through though like the choice to move to ferrari was maybe not the best one Things that don't... hindsight is an incredible thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone ever has really questioned Alonso's talent, though. Like, no matter what car he's been, yeah, how bad he's been, no one's ever really questioned what he can do. Whereas Vettel, as a driver, has been under question these last few years. Which that's is a, that's a fair point. Which is that's a really a weird situation for a multiple world champion to be in. Yeah, yeah, strange one. Yeah, but yeah, we we definitely have. And I, st- I do still think he's gonna nick the old podium over the next few years in that car. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, next, where are we? Victor says, you can only choose one track in Italy. Which one is it? I'd choose Monza just because of nostalgia. Mm. Good question, that. Is this to drive or to watch? Because if it was to drive, I would actually pick Imola because I really do like yeah, it's great fun to lapping to around Imola. Yeah. Um, but for an F, to watch an F1 race, that? I'd probably go Monza. I think yeah. I'm along with Victor on that for, Just for, for watching a race. It tends to produce really good races. And yeah. I mean, Magello was its own weird thing. I mean, Magello's like sort of in between the two for me. Yeah. I don't enjoy driving around Magello as much as I do Imola. Um, and I don't think I enjoy watching the race as much as I do 
Mm. Monza. Yeah, totally. So it's like it's if I guess if I had to pick something that satisfied both needs, <laughs> it'd be Magello. I've I found a way to pick all three guys. I've done it. Magello's the weird, weird middle child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, let's see what we got next. Uh, Wesley Paul says, with a three-week break, I expect to see some gains made by all teams, but many have said they aren't developing a whole lot due to the changes in place for 2022. Who shows the most improvement this week, do we think? Mm, Alpine's the first name that comes to mind for me. Um, yeah. They were pretty disappointing last race. And they've been talking a lot about them having development stuff coming. So, yeah, I think they're the ones that have probably a talked themselves up the most, and mm-hmm. b talked up the development plans the most. Yeah, a lot of other teams are downplaying it, like we've already talked about. So, yeah, I can't see huge gains in many places. Um, like, I mean, I mean, with the resources they've got, I'd expect Mercedes to be a team that can get on top of. The, the bits that are uh, like disappointing for them at the moment, yeah. like struggling with the the floor and stuff. And I'd expect them to be one of the teams that can very quickly adapt to a, a floor setup similar to the McLaren to help compensate for that, for example. Mm-hmm. Like if a team's able to react in that kind of way, uh, probably you Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull are the three teams that can't, and McLaren themselves probably, the three team at three or four teams that can do that so i'd maybe like to see the mercedes looking a bit more stable than it did in bahrain but Mm -hmm. other than that i think i'm with you and saying alpine yeah i totally agree with that and if they don't we start asking questions about why cyril (laughs) went (laughs) why they've not got any better without a cyril (laughs) well um on ted's notebook after last race actually he was saying that unconfirmed but what he's heard kind of rumblings from within the paddock is basically that um i forget his name the new guy in charge at renault do you know what it wasn't until we got to the race weekend the other week and i saw it wasn't cyril i was like oh yeah cyril's gone i kind of i keep forgetting that he's not there i think it doesn't help that in prep for the season, I was like re-watching the last season of Drive to Yes, he was there a lot. So Cyril was there throughout, and then suddenly we got to the race weekend, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, they're Alpine now. Oh yeah, Cyril's not there anymore. Like, um, he just keeps catching me off guard. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So Ted was saying that um, Luca DeMeo, who's the new like CEO of the whole Renault group, essentially it sounds like when he came in, he wanted like a fall guy for the fact that Renault hadn't been where they should have been over the last few years. Yeah. And Cyril Beesport was the full guy. He he sort of his head was on the block for that poor performance and that's why he brought in um the new guys that he did. I, I mean it's kind of the it's the bad side of being team principal, isn't it? Like yeah. if if the the higher ups think that the team is underperforming, you are probably the first person to go. I mean, ask, how often have we seen it at Ferrari? I was going to say, ask any Ferrari uh, team principal since Ross Brown, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. If you don't bring success, it's usually you that, yeah. that goes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, is, is it you? Is it your turn? I, yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
Thomas I find find this one interesting because you're about to read a question from a Thomas and then after that I get to read a question from a Chris and we just say questions to ourselves here and not even (laughs) 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 Thomas says uh, Perez in Bahrain we didn't get to see his true potential or pace is it possible that Perez might be challenging Verstappen in Imola I hope so I think Perez was a little bit let down by that whole curse of the second Red Bull seat (laughs) in Bahrain. He just just didn't go his way, did it? But, I mean, his drive was decent. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think he got out of the car what he could, given the situations, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think so. I think he, he did probably the best as much as you'd expect from someone starting from the pit lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I well, think what it was fifth, fifth. Uh, yeah, and I mean, in no disrespect to like Albon, but we didn't always see Albon man. Like Albon would kind of get to the cusp of points, like tenth or ninth, and then he'd start struggling to to well, cut well, through the pack after there, the top of the midfield. Ironically, we did see that at Albon's first race for Red Bull. He started way down, yeah, in, true, um, Spa, <laughs> and then fought his way back to fifth. So, yeah, true. Let's not judge things just yet. Um, I think Perez <laughs> challenging Verstappen might be a bit premature, but I definitely think he'll be. I think he's going to be probably challenging Bottas for third. Um, with the great respect to Bottas, um, I think it's going to be Hamilton and Verstappen fighting over first and Bottas and Perez fighting over third. And I think if Perez yeah. starts beating Bottas on a regular basis, if Bottas is seat there next year isn't already in doubt then it definitely will be after that I, I'm hope I'm thinking and hoping that in combination to like the ham ver bots and ham bot vers <laughs> that we get every every year for the last few years that we're going to get like some ver ham per <laughs> ver ham per some hampers yeah um, I, mean, I think there, I think there'll be some hampers too that's a good yeah, shout yeah. Ham, ham per hamper bot <laughs> <laughs> Depends um, what Ver does. <laughs> yeah. But so Yeah. As a Bottas yeah. fan though, I've absolutely made my peace with the fact that he won't be a Mercedes driver next season. <laughs> the yeah. interesting thing is where he ends up otherwise, but we'll, we'll probably do that mid season. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, then And then yeah, and then Chris, you said <laughs> Well not <yeah>. you <laughs> someone else called Chris said. By the end of the se- uh, by the end of last season, sorry, I was totally fatigued with F one, FP one, two, three, quality race highlights and checker flag podcast, and of course your own podcast uh, left thank me you. a little weary. I mean, sorry we made you weary, but thanks for listening anyway, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we are now heading into a ridiculously long season, uh, and even some of the team bosses are taking weekends away from tracks. So my question is, which races do I drop completely and which do you limit to highlights and the Bot G podcast? France and Saudi Arabia <laughs> and Russia and maybe even Monaco. I know the heresy, he says in brackets. Um, they, but they all seem very obvious choices. I mean, France will probably be up there. If I'm going to skip a race, it's France. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Monaco is high on my list as well. What, <clears throat> watch qualifying on Monaco and then watch highlights of the race. <laughs> Yeah, um, Saudi Arabia. I don't think I'd skip. I think that has potential to be a, a, a heck of a race. I mean, that circuit is going to produce something interesting. I think. 
I think the thing that might help a little bit this year, maybe, will be the change to the practice formats and the short practice sessions. Yeah. yeah, like because the thing that can feel very fatiguing about free practice when you're not like physically there watching the cars is just that it's nonsense chat on commentary while we look at a bird sat on an apex because there's no car disturbing <laughs> it. Like <laughs> it's, it can be a bit mind numbing, can't yeah. it? Sometimes free practice. I'll, I mean, even as someone that will watch every minute of it, wherever possible, I can agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Very different for me when I'm there. And this, this is where I, I need to go like physically experience a race with these new sessions. Cause the one thing that was nice about free practice, the way it was, and I'm not saying we should change it back, but it was nice as a spectator, is because the cars were like sporadically on track, it gave you opportunity to like move around the circuit a little bit during the session. Yeah. So like I I used to do a lot of um I mean, you'll know from when we've been at Silverson together and stuff, but and Hungary as well. Like I used to do a lot of find a corner, like I'd go to like turn one, turn two or something, it would depend on what's available to you. And you'd like kind of watch them coming out of the pits and through that on hot laps and stuff. And then it like quieting down for 10 minutes and you'd use that as like a 10 minute walk to like the start of the next sector yeah. or something. And it was a good opportunity to do that. I mean, you can still do that while they're on track. It's just, I, use, I get a lot of like FOMO, a bit of fear of missing yeah. out when I'm there and I'm not seeing, because you're already seeing like a limited amount anyway, because mm -hmm. You've only got like what's in front of you and what's been broadcast to the big screen, and so you haven't got as much power to be able to see as much of what's going on. Yeah, um, but I still point. love the experience. So it'd be interesting to see how those free practice changes pan out in a physically being there session. I mean, I think if I had the time, the money, and the opportunity to go to every single race, I would definitely feel fatigued by the end of it yeah like i have a lot of respect for media and and team members and stuff that are there constantly because it doesn't even stop during the off days does it no it's so if, if you if you feel the way you do chris imagine <laughs> imagine how imagine they feel <laughs> imagine being part of it um stew yeah. <laughs> um yeah i did realize after i said it that the reason chris suggested saudi arabia as one to not watch is probably nothing to do with the track and the racing and if that's the reason you're thinking of not watching that one then more power yeah. to you um also i'd say if you're finding that much f1 fatiguing maybe on friday and saturday don't bother with practice and watch formula two or formula three instead because that'll be a yeah. much much more entertaining way to use your time <laughs> I mean, I Bahrain was the first weekend in a long time that I watched watched everything, but watched it from a different perspective. And the reason being is being locked down with COVID at, at the time, I was in a situation where I had someone who was basically forced to sit and watch it with me all weekend <laughs> Because they had no choice. They had literally no choice. They were locked in the house on a 10-day quarantine and had no choice but to watch it all. But the thing that made it really interesting for me in that perspective was they had questions and they were like, so what's that that's happening now? 
and like, oh, what's this race? Because this th- those cars don't look the same. And like, like really sort of beginner entry level questions because yeah. they've never watched a race in their life. But it was really interesting for me watching all that and being able to go, well, this is at Formula Two. It's like the 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 tier below, and a lot of these drivers are like the next young hopefuls moving up. Like, and then when the Formula One comes back on, it's like, see, Russell was in Formula Two the other year. Like, you could point. It was like fun for me to point it out to somebody new, and I think stuff like doing this podcast probably helps keep the keeping it even more interesting than it already is to me because we get to talk about it and have a good chat about it yeah, and stuff totally. and it's a good way to catch up so i mean get involved with the podcast more if you want chris <laughs> that's chris <laughs> get involved i'll say a risk of being a massive shill having uh everyone on the discord to chat to as well like made things really fun over the race weekend yeah that's definitely an interesting angle for us now is uh, like it's gone from what was just a little whatsapp chat between me you and occasionally Stu when he wasn't too busy at work to being like the little community that's sort of growing in discord and and stuff thanks to patreon so yeah it's cool to have those chats Um, and obviously we're talking about other stuff as well like it's it's nice to see some opinions that aren't ours during a live race weekend. <laughs> it's also nice to see so many people who agree with us as well. <laughs> that was quite funny. But yeah, I mean, we talk about the Formula E and stuff. I know you you would you were quite involved with the Formula E and the Extreme E over the yeah, last Yeah, there was a few of us actually sort of weren't you? And talking about through Extreme E and trying to figure out what was going on <laughs> together as we were doing it, which was good fun. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess given that we're talking about Patreon, um, just massive thank you again to everyone who's uh, joined up already. It's been yeah, super fun to talk to you all. Uh, special mention as always to our team principals. They are Narayan Hamari, Mark McNeil, and Wesley Paul. Um, so if you want to get involved, patreon.com forward slash back of the grid. There's, there's tiers of various affordability levels. Um, those who are Patreons waiting for your various... Uh, any surprises that's not the right word is it your various um rewards rewards yes that th- things are coming that um having one member of the team taken out with covid and another one currently moving house has slowed things down slightly um yeah. but yeah we've got things in the pipeline we've got the first episode of our first new mini series that's going to be going on there very soon we just need to finalize the last few bits of that and that'll be available to you so yeah if you want to get involved with any of that stuff you can head over there um as always you can find us as well on facebook uh, twitter all of those things just search back the grid and you'll find us and you can send us messages and stuff there uh same goes for the website back the grid.com where there's a contact us form and that's also where you can sign up for the uh predictions league um it's never too late to join i mean there's only one race but it's it's still not too late to join um <laughs> as always uh if you get a five out of five you will get a prize speaking of which we had a five out of five last week, week we? and we've not yeah. heard from you yet so let me just find the name again. Um, Mr. Alistair Cornwall, I don't think we've heard from you yet, so drop us a message so we can uh, find out who you are and get a prize your way. Yeah. But I think that's everything, isn't it? I think that is it for this week, yeah. Yes, so enjoy the race with the long name. I'm not going to read it out again. We'll just call it Imola. Uh, and we'll thanks just call for- it Imola. Yeah. Thanks as always for joining us. There's the title. There it is. Yeah, there we go. It's taken us an hour and three minutes, but we got that. And the title. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks everyone, and goodbye. Goodbye.